breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Is it just me or are the weeks turning into years with the amount of material and information and huge swings in news stories and exaggerations that are covered? It just seems seven days is more like 90 days now. So much to talk about, a lot going on. I want to tell you about a little bit about uh, what the president of France said this week and about the Islamist separatism. You know, last week you and I talked about the uh, terror attack by the radical Islamists as the Charlie Hebdo trials for the other accomplices took place, and we'll talk about that. The Voice of America, Urdu, Persian, Asia, is under fire back from the beginning of August because of what they claimed was a story about Biden and the Muslim community, but actually appeared to be an advertisement for the Biden campaign. We'll talk about that. NBC has gone full-on Islamist hiring Mehdi Hassan and the conduit the conduit from Al Jazeera now continues continues to flow between Al Jazeera and the Islamist Brotherhood Network and the far left media. And in this week in the debate in the debate among other things President Biden slipped in inshallah in Arabic. Is that just sort of something that we can laugh about and move on or does that have any meaning? What does it mean? I, I speak Arabic fluently and I missed it. I was watching. I missed it completely. Completely. We'll talk about that. But first and most importantly, the President of the United States, President Trump was uh, diagnosed with COVID-19 a few days ago. And you'd think this would be a time in which the country would come together, regardless of what you think politically, regardless of the divide, that we would not only pray for his health and wellness and his quick recovery so that we can get back to all the business of the American people, but that at least it would show some humanity. And while the Biden campaign sort of dragged itself, uh, while the, he continued to, uh, he, he said he was slowing down his election schedule, but then again, Biden was calling a lid, as it's called in the campaign circuit a lid is when the candidate is no longer available for media photos or even let alone questioning well his lids every day for the last 40 50 days were at 9 15 9 30 a.m in the morning and i have to tell you this week more than ever after the president's diagnosis i got eerie eerie sense that our media was no longer simply about democracy, a democratic check with the fourth estate on the three branches of government and the power of government. It, it, they basically went full-on propagandists, almost the way North Korean media is or Syrian media, Chinese media, whichever 
tyrannical media you want. A security analyst on CNN this week talking about President's diagnosis went off on how this is the angriest she's ever been on television. I mean, who says that? But her anger was because the president exposed people in the helicopter, people on Air Force One, people at rallies. I, I mean, the levels of of hyperbole, fabrication, to say that the president was putting American lives at risk because he was infected for basically a few hours. 48 hours, maybe 24 before he knew. Hope Hicks was diagnosed on, I think, Wednesday. The president tested positive on Thursday. And then media started to talk about the hours, how his Dr. Conley, fellow Navy doc, Dr. Conley said 72 hours, but it was actually 48 or who knows? I mean, it was just the, the hand-wringing going on about when the president was diagnosed, who he told, who he exposed. And, and, and as I first heard about it, my first reaction as I tweeted was, the national security issue is not coming from the president. It's what happened to the president. Do we really sort of assume that it came from Hope Hicks? Here's the most protected human being on the planet— and we find a slew of Republican leadership now that have been exposed and converted to seropositivity and positive diagnosis. I'm sure the contact tracing is, is being done like never before in this entire pandemic to figure out exactly what was patient zero in reference to the Republican leadership that has been exposed, that were close to the president, including the president and his wife, Melania. Nobody's talking about that. No, that's not the issue. It's continuing to be constantly about political one-upsmanship, discompassionate, inhuman, un-American approach to a presidential illness that in his age group and comorbidities of obesity... He's at a little more risk than the rest of us. Now, again, the, the trajectory of his illness, as a doc, I can tell you in treating COVID-19 patients that the trajectory of his illness is pretty good, pretty favorable, in that when he was diagnosed based on context, based on context and contact, he had been minimally symptomatic. And then as he was transferred to Walter Reed, and I'll tell you, Walter Reed used to be Bethesda for those of us that train there. Bethesda Naval Hospital, but when they became, when they combined Air Force, Navy, and Army, they used the Naval Hospital building in Bethesda and called it Walter Reed, maintaining Walter Reed's name. But we know it's a Naval Hospital. <laughs> For those of you Navy veterans out there, presidential suite out there it makes sense for the president to go out there he might need cat scans of his lungs chest x-rays labs etc that are a little more complicated to do at the white house and god forbid god forbid if he gets more ill he'll be near the best facilities on the planet so 
another another round of disappointment for those of us who I, I don't know what what delusionary planet I'm living on in which I thought as our president was revealed to be positive that um, there would be sort of a, a stand down on the political partisanship. There'd be a stand down on uh, the insinuations and the blaming. What other patient, by the way, uh, give me an example of what other patient is blamed for his own illness. Yeah, we, we talk about symptoms and things that may lead to illness. But how often have you seen the media, physicians and otherwise, and you see physicians on the left going on and on about what the president did, and, and, and uh, it's just nauseating. Absolutely nauseating. And then you had you had a former Clinton staffer, Obama staffer, by the name of Zara Rahim, who tweeted, I hope he dies. Yeah, that's what this uh, this American Muslim yeah, icon. She's in Vogue. She's on uh, uh, a former uh, one of the, the, the top 100 or I don't know what uh, list the left made to include her in. But the former national spokesperson for Hillary Clinton deleted the tweet a few hours later, but she tweeted it at within an hour of it being announced that the president was positive. She noted, it's been against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years, but I hope he dies. Zara Rahim. Now she locked her account down to private. She's not been booted off of Twitter, even though it violated all of the rules of Twitter. Quiet crickets from the left about it. She held communications positions not only with Hillary Clinton, but with Barack Obama. She's described on LinkedIn as a self-employed consultant based in New York, head of strategic communications for The Wing in New York and director of communications for Vogue magazine. Before that, she was national spokeswoman for Hillary for America. She worked in the Office of Digital Strategy for the Barack Obama administration, listing her location on LinkedIn as Executive Office of the President of the White House, of the President at the White House. She was there from July 13 to January 14. She also worked for Officer Mayor Buckhorn in the city of Tampa. Worked for the Obama campaign repeatedly. So, there are many of those more there are many more of those out there before these holier than thou American Muslim leaders who claim to be all about morality and character and and uh, against racism and and all these things that are admirable admirable qualities to be for push comes to shove they're about as grotesque and evil in their commentary as the ones they criticize 
and they claim the ones they claim and how many of them are fabricated in their comments but that's where america has sunk and this is somebody say oh she's not an islamist she's just happens to be american muslim well look back at why the hillary clinton and obama campaign and administration had her in there what she was doing who she was working with what network among the american muslim community she was participating with let's go on french president emmanuel macron this week just a few days ago took aim at islamist separatism and he said this before by the way i've lauded him and and been very pleased that he talked about islamist separatism something that we have yet to hear major American politicians talk about significantly. Yes, Senator Cruz had hearings about the Brotherhood and Islamist separatism. And, and there have been many, many leaders that have begun to talk about it. But from the executive branch in the White House, there hasn't really been a sophisticated delineation of the fact that the ideology of political Islam Islamism is a threat to American security. Not only in its violent form, but in its nonviolent, civilizational, jihadist form. Well, Macron, last week, as I told you, there was the attack by another terrorist, another ISIS supporter who attacked. This guy might have been Al-Qaeda, but bottom line, it was an ISIS-supported attack because on trial were the 12, 13, 14 networks networkers that were islamists that protected the charlie hebdo militant islamists that committed the attacks in 2015 i believe that year is correct i may be off bottom line the charlie hebdo attacks Macron unveiled the substance of a long-awaited law designed to regulate the practice of Islam in France. Regulate the practice of Islam. Ah, That worries me. It worries me because regulation implies that somehow you can control this by rules instead of by defeating it, instead of by marginalizing it, but actually by rules. And then I'll tell you in a sec who Macron has engaged so macron to his credit and the french leadership to their credit partly driven by the fact that they've had a hyper vigilance with their laicite policies to secularism and the separation of religion and state so i think it's hyper vigilance it's been in many ways exaggerated and way off the charts but that makes them a little more sensitive to political islam doesn't it so they get the diagnosis right, but again, they're getting the treatment wrong, as they do in the laïcité policies. Laïcité is the secularist indoctrination done by the French government against religions in general. The law will be presented in uh, December, according to the Washington Post and other reports from the Associated Press, and that will crack down on the foreign influences in French Muslim communities. Macron said that it will allow the state to monitor the funding that French mosques receive from abroad, create a certificate program for French imams, 
and ban homeschooling for young children to prevent the creation of Islamic schools. Oh boy, a lot of good diagnoses there, but the treatments are way off the charts. Not going to work. What we need to fight Islamist separatism, Macron said in a speech delivered in the northwestern Paris suburb of Le Mureau. It's a conscious, theorized, political, religious project that materializes through repeated deviations from the values of the Republican, which often result in the creation of a counter-society. Bingo! So he's got it right. Let me repeat that for you. Macron said it's a conscious, theorized, political, religious project that materializes through repeated deviations from the values of the Republic and which often result in the creation of a counter-society. So, a series of deadly attacks in France, some perpetrated by French Muslims against fellow citizens. Macron rekindled, rekindled his desire to encourage the integration and prevent the radicalization of those who practice Islam in France. And that radicalization he pinpointed as related to Islamist separatism, political Islam. And he keeps going a little further, and each time he brings this up, he called Islam a religion that is in crisis all over the world, whose problems stemmed from a very strong hardening of positions. And the Muslims in France were perplexed. Shemsuddin Hafiz, the rector of Paris's Grand Mosque, wrote an op-ed subsequently in which he said, the question of separatism does not concern all Muslims in any way. Far from it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't concern you because your insurgency is part of your faith interpretation not my faith interpretation but yours he goes on Shemsuddin says I would like to point out with all due respect to those circles that seek to establish a parallel between Islam and Islamism to those who suggest that Islam is Islamism and vice versa that there is indeed a distinction to be made between the Muslim religion and the Islamist ideology bingo again very good you recognize that radical Islam, still not defined, is taking root because the Republic has deserted the social question. This is coming from the advocacy group in Paris, Collective Against Islamophobia in France. Oh my God, that name itself makes me want to puke. Collective Against Islamophobia in France. Again, Islamophobia is nonsense. It's a term used to invoke blasphemy laws in the West against those who might criticize Islamism. The group said, instead of developing the social, you propose to impose repressive devices. Macron did blame some of the Islamist separatism on France itself, particularly its unwillingness to address the bloody Algerian war and the colonial past, still imprinted in what he called our collective psyche. And so we see the children of the Republic, sometimes from elsewhere, children or grandchildren of citizens from immigrant backgrounds and from the Maghrib and Sub-Saharan Africa, revisiting their identity. 
through a post-colonial discourse. But this, he said, was a form of self-hatred. Macron claims to be a centrist, and since he's been president in 2017, has acknowledged that his legacy included on Friday last week was to commit to a project that, quote, consists in finally building an Islam in France that can be an Islam of the Enlightenment. So, punctuated with a lot of the correct diagnosis is a Macron that still doesn't get what to do. And what do I mean by that? Well, still... Now let's talk about solutions, because still, France talks about the correct diagnosis much more so than even we do in this country, but yet the treatments they're doing are either too draconian or too apologetic, as if the Islamists are the only ones that can speak for our communities, as if even when they get the diagnosis correct, they keep employing the treatment. It's like trying to treat alcoholism and calling in the alcoholics to tell you how to run the AA program or how to run the detox program, the treatment program. They aren't doctors. They aren't secular freedom advocates, believers in liberal democracy, believers in French nationalism through liberty. These are Islamists. And Macron has gone to, who's the advisor? Their council of imams in France. Seriously? Now, some of the editorials appear that there are Muslims in France that are all for fighting against political Islam and Islamism. But there needs to be a, a, a ideological deconstruction, no different than you attack racism and bigotry, anti-Semitism, political Islam needs to be countered. And the advocates for it, from Al Jazeera to Imam Kardawi in Qatar, to the imams in France and elsewhere that advocate for political Islam, that are anti-Semitic, that have a misogynistic pretenses and other examples that are pillars that our pillars of political Islamic ideology need to be countered and need to be confronted head-on. So that program, why is it separatist? It's separatist because they believe in Islamic supremacy. It's separatist because they believe the Qur'an is the source, not a source of law. It's separatist because they believe France is not only heretical, that it is hedonistic and anti-God. So if we're going to develop a program against it, it needs to be a wholesale program that looks at reform. And our Muslim reform movement is poised to do that. In programs like this, we confront the ideas of political Islam. There needs to be an exposure from President Macron that the countries like Turkey's Erdogan and his AKP, Qatar, Iranian Khomeinists, Hezbollah, all of these regimes and movements from the Muslim Brotherhood on need to be identified as ideological underpinnings and huge movements of hundreds of millions that are fueling the ideas of the Islamist separatists that are threatening his state and the state of every French citizen. So that's the reality, folks. It can't just be about 
little platitudes and vagaries about Islamism, yes, that's a huge first step. A lot of progress made compared to when we were talking about this last or when we were talking about it 10 years ago. But much, much more needs to be made yet. There was a little kerfluffle this week with a video that is making the rounds. A video that's making the rounds that, if you see it, I have to tell you, it, it, it looks all the world like a Biden ad. And that's what it is. It's a Biden ad. There's a group, a pack, a 501c4 called Engage USA, which is a Muslim Brotherhood-led pack by Muslim Brotherhood operatives that are sympathetic to the ideas of the Muslim Brotherhood and come from groups like CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, and the Islamic Society of North America, Muslim Student Association, Islamic Circle of North America, all these alphabet soup of Islamist groups formed an election pack type and were helpful to the Obama campaign and now are coming all out for the Biden campaign. Well, a video surfaced on the Voice of America website, which on July 22nd, this is months ago, right? July 22nd, the VOA's Urdu, Urdu service, targeting Urdu-speaking audiences in Pakistan, India, and around the world, and also in the United States, right? Posted content on its website, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram about an online event Biden did reaching out to Muslim Americans as he urged them to vote for him in November. And it's beyond that. This is a three-minute video that takes clips of him citing scripture that we believe the Prophet Muhammad said about to correct what is wrong with your tongue and with your hand. I mean, actually, it's almost condoned violence if you listen to it. But anyway, we'll skip that right now. And he goes on to to talk about, uh, again, this, this fake Muslim ban, which was never a Muslim ban. It was a ban from countries that happened to be majority Muslim, but also had huge concerns regarding their ability to vet terrorists, etc. Iran, Somalia, etc. So he makes a, a number of statements. Then you see photos of Rashida Tlaib, of Ilhan Omar, talking about get out the vote, and then Gage USA's website of the themillionmuslimvoters.com is advertised. The video is out there, even though it was deleted a few days later, off of the Voice of America website. But it sort of brings home, just like I told you about the Obama operative, Clinton operative that wished our president dead. There are internal operatives that seem to somehow have a stream, a connection flow between PACs and our information ops. As we were talking about what France should be doing, I've been complaining, as have so many anti-Islamist Muslims, where is the U.S. information agency today? Where is the move to counter the ideas of political Islam around the world and advance the ideas of liberty? Because you can't win this militarily. We've determined with the, with the complete disaster in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere, you, you, you just cannot bomb political Islam out of its existence. 
It has to be defeated ideologically. Meantime, our tax money is being used to put forth ads that might as well be not only for Biden, but for the Islamists, for the ideas that are coming from Islamists in America who are lockstep in line with Al Jazeera and Islamist movements around the planet. I hope heads roll at the VOA. It's been a couple months. They talked about firing the contractors that put that video up. The video now is making circles on the internet with millions of hits reposted by sympathizers to M-Gage and other Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups in America. But I think it serves to highlight a number of things. is how weak, how inept we are in our information agencies on fighting this battle and how much it's been taken over. Not only the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world are Islamist infiltrated, but our own government, our taxpayers are Islamist infiltrated organizations. Even when we have folks like President Trump who get it, who have people like Secretary Pompeo and the Department of Homeland Security and Department of State and Pentagon that get it on the ideological threat, and yet we still haven't named the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization, even though I've testified twice as it has been looked at, and the proposal, I think, made it to the National Security Council but didn't get out. Bill Baum, a longtime VOA veteran and current senior advisor to the acting director, told colleagues at the VOA that he wanted to terminate the contracts of those that put the video up. How about we look at exactly what the channel was in which that was felt to even be closely relevant to the voice of America's mission? To put, an, to put basically a, a, a Biden ad up on their website in Urdu. It had Urdu subtitles and Vice President Biden speaking in English with clips from his fawning at the M-Gage Islamist conference. Craziness. Utter, utter, sheer craziness. And last, last this week, during the debate, the debate, yeah, it seems like a year ago, doesn't it? But just earlier this week uh, on Tuesday. And during the debate, there was an interchange about President Trump's taxes. And uh, again, I'm going to avoid getting into what I felt about the debate, all the, the, the topics, etc. I think uh, there's just obviously not enough time in this podcast, let alone it's a little not necessarily the topics they covered weren't necessarily germane to what I like to cover on this to- on this podcast. But they were talking about President Trump's taxes, and Chris Wallace asked him if uh, he would release them and President Trump uh, said well they're under audit and after they're under audit you know it's the same thing he said for years and he's never released them and uh, uh, Biden said yeah that's uh, that's what he says uh, inshallah now I watched the debate was paying attention and uh, I missed that the pronunciation that Biden gave was inshallah or whatever you know some type of odd pronunciation and all of a sudden, 15, 30 minutes later, an hour, two hours later, and much after the debate was done, people were talking about President Biden's little quip of inshallah. Well, what does inshallah mean? It's an Arabic term means God willing. The direct translation is God willing. Now, we use that in English all the time. I'll be there tomorrow, God willing. 
Hopefully your surgery will go well, God willing. These are all very, very innocuous uses of the term God willing. I can tell you the Arabic and Shanla I do not use personally. Why? Because culturally, as somebody who's really focused on reform, there are some things that really get in my craw. And related to sort of the decadence, the, the dismissiveness, the corruption of many who claim to be devout Muslims and yet use terms that they really use to dismiss people. And inshallah is one of those. For example, it's well known, um, it's a well known fact, if you will, that if you're trying to guess how many people are coming to an event in the Arabic community, it's hard to know sometimes. Or they show up late, or maybe they're not going to show up. And you say, well, did they say they were going to come? And you say, well, they said, yeah, inshallah. So, God willing, which basically is a way to somehow pretend to be religious and yet dismiss somebody and lie to them and not commit and therefore not come. Will you clean up your room? Inshallah. God willing. And then they don't do it. The kids don't do it. They learn this culturally that inshallah is a way to be appear to be pietistic and respectful, but on the other hand dismissive and dishonest. So I don't use the term. Now, why would President Wannabe Vice President Biden use that dismissive term. I don't get it. I mean, first of all, as you do debate prep, you look at these. I'm sure they're preparing for those zingers, the zingers that we always hear about in debates. Uh, every every four years, there's a zinger that becomes part of maybe not maybe some years more than others. Sir, you're no John F. Kennedy. You know those zingers that become part of the the culture. Was Biden's inshallah supposed to be a zinger? I don't think so, because most of us Arabs didn't even know he said that, let alone Americans who speak English and don't speak Arabic and don't even understand the, the reference. Barely even knew it was Arabic, let alone what that was, some mispronunciated gobbledygook that he mumbled under his breath on the microphone. So what was that? I mean, they're always talking about dog whistles on the right, etc. Was that a dog whistle? To the Islamist community? To the Arabic community? I don't know. Wink and a nod? I'm with you? Maybe. Maybe not. Is that conspiracy theories? I don't think so. He said it. What other purpose would that serve that he's probably looking at his notes written on his hand or wherever he had it written, remembering things to say? Do you actually think Biden jokes about this and says it frequently? I defy anybody to find for me somebody that knows Senator Biden, that knows that he jokes around and says inshallah every now and then as a joke, as just sort of a common Biden-esque joke. A guy who can barely remember what state he's in what meeting he is and and calls it a lid every morning at 9.15 in the morning with no media appearances or access because they're worried about what the heck's going to come out of his mouth. This is a guy who says, inshallah, understanding the context in which it's given? Unless he was prepared for that. One of his advisors said, hey, this will be sort of cool. Let's put it out there. So 
bottom line is, is uh, it's wacky that he said it. I have no idea who he was talking to, but if he was, it must have been, possibly could have been, a little nod to the Islamists. But who knows? I have to add one little anecdote. We hear that Mahdi Hassan, the Islamist uh, uh, Brotherhood sympathizer who, who, who worked for Qatar as an anchor for a number of years, then slowly eased his way into CNN. This is a guy who's a Brit that, among many things, in his past has compared non-Muslims to cattle, included homosexuals in a long list of behaviors and categories which he said and argued were transgressive of Islam. When he was confronted about this by Majdi, I'm sorry, by Majid Nawaz on Twitter, Majid himself, also a liberal, condemned him and said that he couldn't even be honest enough to own up to his radical past. Mahdi Hassan has me blocked on Twitter for the last five, six years because, oh, I had the temerity to be critical. And by the way, I got on his radar when I went and participated in the Oxford, in one of the Oxford debates. And it was an interesting experience back then. I went to debate. It's uh, uh, typically a four-on-four debate in which you debate, a obviously, a single topic. Ours was whether... The religion of Islam is anti-woman. And they paired me up with three Islamists. The audio of that debate, by the way, mysteriously different from any other of the Oxford debates, was not available. It didn't work. It didn't, didn't pan out. Now, we won that debate... But I, in being honest about Islam's current interpretations that are often misogynistic and treat women as third and fourth class citizens need reform, the Islam I learned was not. So I contradicted and debated my own partners who were Islamist apologists and refused to acknowledge that we needed reform. But ultimately, our side won, but my partners were very upset with me. That seems to be sort of the par for the course in my work, doesn't it? Well, Mahdi Hassan then went also to defend the Islamists that I took on. Now, bottom line is, is now he's going to be working for NBC. Peacock TV is giving him a platform. The pipeline from the Islamists globally at Al Jazeera to the far-left media, CNN, NBC, CBS continues. When is it going to stop? These folks need to register as Foreign Agents Registration Act, the FARA Act. When he's working for Qatar, CNN never introduced him as such, and now he's on NBC's payroll. Slowly he'll be, and he has been, criticizing presidential candidates and senatorial candidates, etc., as if he's an American. When the fact, my understanding is he's a Brit. Yes, I know there are a lot of Brits come American pundits, but also Islamists working for Al Jazeera. 
So he has no he has no interest in America, and he has even less interest in liberal democracy. And now he's going to work for NBC. So this is sort of, a, I think, we'll see what his platform is going to be and what he does and what he says, but as he hides from behind his block of my work on Twitter. But uh, again, the battle continues. The left gives platforms to the Islamists, the global Islamists like Mehdi Hassan, while the reformers are struggling for financial bandwidth, for platform bandwidth, recognition, acknowledgement that we have an equal seat at the table. And then you wonder why. The first story I talked about, Macron, as he makes the right diagnosis but doesn't know the treatment. When We wonder why the Voice of America posts ads as news for Biden. And then we wonder why the media treats our president's illness as a propaganda moment for their radicalism. It's all wedded together, the red-green axis, the Islamists and the communists and the socialists working together against liberal democracy. A few things to think about this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R, or on Reform This Radio, Reform This Radio at Twitter. And also share this podcast with your friends. Share it online at iTunes, at Google Podcasts, wherever you may find us. Spread the word. This is where you find genuine, honest discourse on what's happening in domestic foreign policy, in counterterrorism, counterideology, and sometimes things medical and otherwise. God bless the Sudi Jasser. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.